Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. And welcome back to another episode of Three Spooked Girls. It is me, Jessica, and I am, I'm just weird today. I'm sorry. Deal with it, please. Um, Kindly. (laughs) And I am, again, joined by the wonderful, fabulous Tara. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. So in real time, it's April 15th. So it's tax day, but, (laughs) (laughs) and we haven't had Tara's birthday, but when you're listening to this, it's my birthday today. So I'm excited. So we're going to come at you with a really different episode, but we're going to, we're not going to talk about that until we get there. Mm -hmm. We'll start off with our business and then our drinks, and then we'll go into what our episode is because our drink does not have anything to do with our episode. No, it does not. So as always, you can go down to the show notes and find our fabulously convenient link tree that has all our links in it. It has Facebook, Instagram, Facebook group, merch store. Buy yourself something nice today, people. It's my birthday. Go treat yourself. Yeah, yeah. All the things that you need to know how to get a hold of us, where to find us is there. All the three spook girl things. I don't think we have anything else going on right now. No, but in two days I fly. That's true. I fly closer. She's flying closer to me, but I am (laughs) flying away from her. But it's okay. You will see me. I know. I know. In my duration of being there, and we have some awesome things planned, and... It is true. We will see, but if you're a patron, you saw the video from last month for the 10K episode, and you guys are demanding more videos and some vlogs, so... I might be doing that. I might not. I'm not going to make any promises. We'll see. So maybe in in June. It depends on what we do. Yes. Depends what we do. We have some good ideas thus far, but we will see what actually happens. We make no promises. (laughs) We make no, because at the end of the day, this Tara is her time off with her daughter Mm -hmm. and visiting her family and vice versa for me and then of course tara is my family's so you know yes and that's why like you're probably like why are they recording so damn early because we're essentially recording everything through the end of my trip right which is like mid-june yeah (laughs) so tara has a lot of work cut out for her between now and the 22nd (laughs) of may Yes, so the next month I'm just going to be buried into my laptop 24 fucking 7, but I didn't want us to miss any weeks of episodes for you guys, uh, so oh, yeah. that's why we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, we we want to make sure that even if our schedule is hectic and crazy that we somehow get you something, mm-hmm. because we appreciate that you take your time each week to listen to us, Yeah, wherever and however you listen to us. Yes, yes. But at the very least, there will be uh, fun stuff on Instagram because I'm addicted to boomerangs, so you know. Those will be there. Those will be there. We have fun things planned. So. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okie dokie. So let's talk about drinks. What are you drinking? Well, due to how frustrating 
and heartbreaking this topic is, <laughs> I have boxed wine, and I've been drinking boxed wine a fuck ton during my research. I won't say any more ah. specific than that. But yes, lots lots of drinking. Mm-hmm. I grabbed the Merlot, that black box, I think it's called. Oh, yeah. I got that again because I freaking love Merlot. So I'm being a repeater here. But I always get nervous with trying, like new brands of wines so (laughs) i'm like i tried this one and i like it so that's what's happening (laughs) i think it's really funny that in one of our episodes that just recently aired i was like i think it was the listener for march but again Mm -hmm. we recorded that really early i was like you're really into white wines right now and then like literally that was the last time you had a white wine yep true i I killed i haven't had any or any rosé well i had that rosé spritzer thing but that's not a white either so that's the closest i got (laughs) it's true so what did you pick so our drink has nothing to do with our topic because that would be really weird if we once you find out the topic you'd be like oh okay but in celebration of my birthday my birthday birthday (laughs) i'm a i'm really weird today guys i i hope you love it (laughs) 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 it also might lead me to rantiness so who knows I did a birthday cake shot. Ooh, what is in it? So it has white chocolate liqueur, whipped vodka, frangelico, and then you put cake frosting around like a like you would the sugar rim, mm-hmm. but then you put sprinkles on it. Interesting. All the sugar. Right? Mm. All the sugars. <laughs> Ooh. It, yeah, it's, I mean, the Pinterest picture is so pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, Tara's looking at mine like, that's not how that That's all right. Close enough. A for effort. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying not to eat less sugar. But, yeah, then I pick that drink. So now that we've taken care of drinks and business, we will get into our topic. Just so that you know, this is a very triggering topic. Tara and I are doing a true crime, but we are going to do a deep dive into the documentary Leaving Neverland. If this topic is triggering we totally understand we respect that um would not be offended if you need to click off right now so your mental well well-being is more important than you listening to us so if you need to take a moment or if you're like what are they talking about google it really quick make sure you know you're getting yourselves into because we're gonna be like i said deep diving about the hbo documentary leaving neverland which has to deal with the molestation accusations and the sexual abuse accusations of um, two men against Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I usually do random titles. You guys know that. But I'll probably this will probably have either just the title of a, the doc or something with Neverland in it. So you probably already have an idea. But if not, you know, here's that little extra. Right. Warning for you guys. It's true. So, yes. So I watched the documentary when it first came out. I think it's probably the weekend after it came out. Came out March third and fourth. I was concerned because it's a triggering subject for me, but I watched it, and I just want to go on record and say this: this is such an important documentary, not because of the accusations that it's putting against a person, but because of how they're talking. It talks about how we as a society need to pay attention to people. And pay attention, especially to children and how they act and pick up when things are not right because they may not want to tell us. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's two men who are coming out saying that when they were 
children. They were sexually abused by Michael Jackson. Their names are Wade Robson and James Safechuck. And it kind of talks about it from the beginning of when even before they met him. And that's something I thought was very interesting is they talk about at some point, either in the film or when Oprah did her after Neverland thing, where they talk about how like, we're preconditioned to believe that celebrities are good people. Mm -hmm. And so I don't even know really where to begin because it's talking about Wade was seven when the abuse started and James was 10. And it just like kind of talks about how, you know, Wade was, he met Michael when he was five and he lived in Australia. He won a dancing competition that he wasn't even old enough to win. And I like, I had that moment, like knowing what this was about, I was like, if they had just mm-hmm. let the rules be the rules, yeah. like he probably would have never been in this position. And then they hung out with him while he, Michael was still in, I think it was Sydney. And then um, James met him. There's a very famous Pepsi commercial that I remember as a kid. Mm-hmm. I do too. Where James was nine and he was acting like essentially he goes in and he knocks on like the dressing room door and Michael's not in there and he goes in and he finds like a hat or something. And then Michael walks around the corner. And one of the things that that was so creepy is they're like the reactions that we have to each other are real because it's the first time I ever saw him. Right. And I remember looking at him knowing that what the allegations were. And I just thought Michael looked creepy. Mm-hmm. Like the way he like lit up when he saw this mm-hmm. kid. I don't know. Like, I will just be honest with me. I am a victim of sexual abuse and I always believe survivors because it's the hardest thing to do to to tell someone, especially if you're a small child, because there is one. There's a thing that someone might not believe you. Right. And with James and Wade, you know, the way he groomed them because that's what he did Mm -hmm. he presented it as love and michael jackson was an idol a god to both of these boys and like probably 99 percent of the population during the 80s and 90s he was the king of pop true even though he's a monster Mm -hmm. so they the way you know their little minds are seeing it is this person my idol my god like not you know you know what i'm trying to say no this is what they were saying yeah Yeah, he's saying he loves me, and I, of course, love him, so what's happening, it's okay. It's how he said to them, that's how we show we love each other. So they went through with these acts, even times when, you know, they aren't wanting to, because they're like, well, if I don't do this, then he won't know that I love him. Right, and I think especially, because that's the thing, is... And a lot of the interviews they did, they talked about it when Oprah did her show and then Gail King also interviewed them for CBS. Like a lot of people, when they think about sexual abuse, they think about the trauma of it, like that it's this violent thing that you're being held down and, you know, forced to do these acts. And in this instance, this isn't what it was. Like they talk about it. And like if you were to not take the fact that they were children, that they were seven and 10 year olds. You would think that you were talking about, like, a loving spouse. I was watching the the Gail King interview that I was just talking about. Right. She asked them, like, how do you feel about Michael? And Wade never answered because James' immediate reaction, like, it almost broke him. He's like, there's, it's such mixed emotions because there's this, like, 
I still care about him. Mm -hmm. I feel guilty that I'm doing this because it could hurt him. And that he also like there is a little betrayal that he felt that he had Michael Mm -hmm. was a person in his life that, you know, should have protected him. Yeah. Now, I just want to get this out of the way. Let's talk about the moms because this is both triggering for both Tara and I. I don't have kids. Mm -hmm. Tara has a daughter. We've talked about this. As someone who was sexually abused by someone in her life who should have been protecting her. I don't understand how people don't pick up the signs. Like the signs were there. Like that James's mom is like they were in France or something like that. They're in Paris. Yep. And she's like, they kept moving my room farther and farther away from him. Right. Yeah. Matt and I were actually this morning we were talking, you know, just talking about the show and stuff. And he's watched bits and pieces with me with it. Mm -hmm. You know, both pieces. And he was like he missed all of that stuff so he's just like there had to have been signs there's no fucking way and I was like oh there fucking was they just right kind of shrugged and were like okay and you know there was because here's the thing everyone in their life was groomed every single one of them was groomed because people who worked for him were groomed to look the other way And to instinctively say he has the mind of a child, like he's so innocent, like he would never hurt kids. But here's the thing. I don't think he thinks he was hurting kids. I think he honestly thought he was loving kids. Yeah, that's a good point, because with the allegations and stuff in regards to his father, we can kind of get into Latoya because I did want to talk about her. Oh, yeah. When I was watching those two interviews and stuff. She's out there putting it all out there, mm-hmm. all the stuff that happened to them, the abuse of all kinds and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, a person doesn't just, mm-hmm. I don't know, doesn't just like think that way. Right. Especially like I feel like young children and stuff. Something happens to them for them to be taught it. Mm-hmm. And I think like with Latoya, like she comes out and says, my dad mm-hmm. sexually assaulted me. And mm-hmm. she knows at least her older sister, Rebe at least are the two she doesn't know she said she didn't know about janet but she knows obviously for herself and then her older sister Mm -hmm. talked about it but it's like joe jackson has been known for being a violent man it came out that he was extremely abusive to them Mm -hmm. and that michael was kind of the only one who fought back but there's also this like side where it's like this may have been a learned behavior because those girls were young Mm -hmm. and he may have heard his father say to those girls This is how I show you I love you. Right. And not that this is normal. Hell no. But people who are put in that situation, and if you heard that enough, that would become a party line or it would be your learned Mm -hmm. normal. It's like people like wonder why like kidnap victims get Stockholm syndrome. Because it becomes a learned normal. They stay in this state, not just because of fear, but because it's somehow like their world has turned upside down that this is normal. I'm okay with the situation I'm in. So I'm not giving any excuse to this Mm -mm. because there comes a moment where he knew it was wrong because in the conditioning of the kids, he's telling them like, if you tell anyone, if we're ever caught We're both going away forever. And that's a huge thing in grooming because there's Mm -hmm. this guilt that, one, you want to protect yourself because in your mind, you're participating. Right. And then there's the other side of it that says, like, you know what? I want to protect that person. I don't want him 
to get in trouble or her, depending. But obviously, this is pointed at Michael. And one of the things that I want to say, I started to say earlier, but I think Oprah has made a really good point, is this topic transcends Michael Jackson. Absolutely. He is kind of the vessel that is being used to bring this forth. Mm -hmm. But we need to talk about sexual abuse in this country. We need to stop letting people get away with it because of who the fuck they are. Like, I I know that I've, like, tiptoed around, like, you know, pointing fingers at Trump. But the fact of the matter is, clear as day on a recording said, grab him by the pussy. And yet, he's our president. And the man who was just taking the fucking interview and laughing along has no job. Mm-hmm. We have to start holding everyone accountable at every level across the board when you do something unjust. You know, if I go out tomorrow and I murder someone, I need to be held accountable. Not that I'm going to. <laughs> I mean, there's always there's always that possibility. I'm kidding. No. But I'm just saying, like, I need to be held accountable for my actions. Mm-hmm. If I go out tomorrow and I sexually assault someone, I need to be held accountable. Right. The reason people keep doing it is because they don't get caught or they know that if they get caught, nothing's going to happen. And I mean... Michael felt so confident, like, these boys stood up in court and defended him. Right. And just going back to the moms, because we kind of detoured. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. You're good. We kind of detoured. It's like, there wasn't just one instance of there being weird shit. There was multiple incidences. So, you know, there's the hotel thing. And this is all just with James. Yeah. And then it was the day she came up to the the bedroom, bathroom, whatever, and the door is locked. The theater. Yeah, to the theater. And Mm -hmm. he was like, oh, I didn't mean to lock it. Hang on. And then unlocks it. And, you know, she was like, yeah, that was kind of weird. She's like, but they were clothed. So I assumed everything was okay and was like, oh, stuff happens, like whatever, and just kind of went on my way. I think there's this misconception that you can't be sexually abused if you have clothes on. Like, if if you're not naked. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they were looking for because there was such this misunderstanding of it is like if something inappropriate would be happening, I would have walked in and they'd have both been standing there naked. But both Wade and James talk about how there was like security in place. Mm-hmm. And they did drills to get dressed quickly mm-hmm. and quietly if he told them to. And they practiced that. Essentially, like someone would be walking down the hallway and it would trigger some sort of alarm that they could I think they could hear or see mm-hmm. and then they would get dressed. And like one of his former maids, I didn't watch this, but she came out and said, like, this is the shit that happened. Like, yeah, I saw like she said, I saw him and Wade in the shower together. Right. And Wade was like, oh, no, because he felt that he had to. And I want to talk mm-hmm. about. I, OK, my opinion of this. My opinion is that James's mom kind of felt like something was wrong, but she let everyone else manipulate her. Michael connected with her. Like, they'd make a very good point that it's not just that he, yeah. he like, grooms them. He groomed their parents to trust them. Mm-hmm. For both of them. Here's the thing. Like, when he, when Wade came to California to visit, they had only really spent time with him for, like, two days. Mm-hmm. And then Wade was like, I don't want to go because they were going to the Grand Canyon. And Michael's like, I don't want him to go. And so his parents like left. I mean, at first they were like, no, you can't go. But then they left him like, I'm sorry. Like if I if I had a child and some adult was like, you can like it'd be one thing if like you, Tara, were like, I'll watch your kid. You got you can go. They don't want to go. Right. Yeah. 
But if some fucking stranger was like, you can just leave him here with me. Mm-mm. No fucking way. And I think here's another thing. In today's society, we know far more about celebrities. Mm-hmm. Because of Twitter, Instagram, all that shit. Right. This was the 90s. People didn't know who Michael Jackson really was. Mm-mm. We only knew what he was on TV or in the movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. So and whatever. And I think you could hide your image a lot better. Oh, yeah. I don't think he would be able to do the same thing today that he did then, mainly because I think people are a lot more woke. I just like the hardest thing for me to get is that this is the like with these two men. This is four people who have accused him of this. One was a cancer patient. Right. And was saying like he tried to hold my hand or he, you know, he did these other things or, you know, he touched me inappropriately. It's like I don't understand when we stop believing kids. The Jackson estate has the party line. Oh, they're in it for his money. Mm -hmm. If they're in it for the money, why wouldn't they just go to them? He always paid them off in the end. The only time (laughs) that he ever didn't was when he got that family actually refused. And the thing is, is like after Jordan Chandler, who is the first person in the 90s who accused him. Right. How do you let your kids go back? No fucking way. No fucking way. Like they just they had too much faith in this person that they hardly knew. And it's like especially because do you remember the fax machine stuff? Yes. Like, yeah, there'd be like the random ones here and there for the mom. Um, It was like Wade's mom. But like there was like hundreds, hundreds. Yeah. For Wade. A day. A day. If you don't know what we're talking about in the documentary, and this is totally a spoiler. It's not a spoiler free. No, never is. Michael Jackson bought and paid for a fax line to go into Wade's home because they went back to Australia and that way they could talk. And here's the thing is they would talk on the phone for like seven hours. Yeah. And here's the thing. Where was, what was Michael doing? Like he had a career. I don't know. So like Wade would get home from school and it might be because it's like nighttime for us. And so daytime for him. So he would call and they would talk for hours. And then he called him the little one. And then he called Michael Jackson Applehead, which is weird. Yeah. There's just there's so many moments with these moms. And like James's mom, I feel for because she kept thinking that something was going on and everyone reassured her there wasn't. And so she just went along with it because it's what James wanted. And she thought maybe she was just crazy. But like Wade's mom, even to this day, you can tell that she doubts her own son in some aspect. Like you were saying, they like they giggle, like the way that they talk about the moms, like the moms, I should say, the way the moms talk about Michael. It's like they're still in love with him. Well, except for like James's mom at the end was like she talked about how when she found out he died, Mm -hmm. she celebrated because she realized she fucked up. She owned up to it. I feel like with Wade's mom, it wasn't, I don't know, she just maybe still doesn't want to admit that, whether it's because she was groomed so well, because she even mentioned, you know, Michael and I had this connection that nobody else had, like, kind of thing. So, right. I don't know if she was just, like, you know, groomed a different way than the other mom but that's no excuse still but yeah at first I was just really frustrated with James's mom but then towards the end it flipped right because at first like James's mom is all in Mm -hmm. and then she's starting to be like something's wrong yeah but like Wade's mom was like something's wrong and then was like all in like she left her husband 
Yeah, she left her husband. She left her other family, her parents, everything, and one of her kids and went. Yeah, like her son was older. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, granted, he was like, you know, almost an adult, but still, that's still her child, regardless of age. And they moved. And granted, Wade has a very successful career. He, Mm -hmm. like, has choreographed for Britney Spears, NSYNC, Justin Timberlake. Like, you name it, he's choreographed for them. But you know what? They did that themselves. Because when they got there, you know, Michael had promised, oh, I'll help with his career, help with his career. But at that point, it was the new flavor of the month, year, whatever. So they were like, yeah, we could go to Neverland and stuff. Like, you know, all of that. But, like, she admitted, you know, she was like, we'd have to figure this out by ourselves. I mean, sure, I'm like, you know, them having some relations had influence and stuff. But it's like, it seems like he worked very hard, too. So. Oh, yeah. No. And I think that's true. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our spooksters a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash three spooked girls and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash three spooked girls and get started today. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. Do you know why I'm super excited about this? Like, why we got this partnership? It's honestly, like, the perfect timing. Yeah? Yeah, because, like, since I'm getting ready to go on my trip Mm -hmm. over to California, like, next week, I went and signed up already, and I downloaded my book so I can listen to it on the plane since I'm a, like, religious podcast listener, and I know I'm caught up, so I have nothing else to listen to. Oh, it's true. That's actually very smart, because I'm sitting over here, like, I have a, like, five-hour plane ride to Tulsa when I go, so that's brilliant. Right? Yeah, and I have been keeping an eye on this, like, thriller, kind of, like, true crime-inspired book that's by an author I really like. It's called Say You're Sorry. It's by Melinda Lee, and they actually had it on there, and you can pick, like, whatever titles you want, so that's what I went and chose for my free book, and normally, you know, it's... Twenty three ninety nine, and I got it for free because I used our URL on that. Awesome. I'm going to check it out. So I'm going to go there right now. So the book that I've been really wanting to read is Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. Because if you know me, I love Reese Witherspoon. And I love the fact that she has this book club. And I'm so excited about it. And it's her top one. So, oh, there it is. It's available free with the trial. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Because otherwise, I'd be spending like twenty four fifty. Yeah, heck yeah. I know we were talking about that on our other episodes, so it's like perfect. So yeah, you guys, you can pick any book. You don't have to pick just like the books we're recommending. You can get anything. They have so many different titles you guys can choose from. So to download your free audiobook today, just go to audibletrial.com slash three spooked girls. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash three spooked girls for your free audiobook. And one of the things I think is interesting is that like, Wade stayed friends with him into adulthood until he died. Mm-hmm. Like Wade's wife met Michael. Yeah, they saw him, what, a couple months before he died? Mm-hmm. They were at his house. Wade stayed in his life for years. Like he dated one of mm-hmm. Michael's nieces. I think it was like Jackie Jackson's daughter. And like he just, you know, he mm-hmm. stayed in in and around the family. And then Gail King was talking about when she interviewed them and she talked about it afterwards, a lot of child psychologists say that abuse victims 
in these type of situations, stay with the family. Because, again, they thought he loved them. And it transcends logic because these are children. Right. They didn't see it as abuse. These are little boys who, you know, should have been playing with trucks and, you know, whatever little boys play with and, you know, and having a childhood. And like Michael had his childhood robbed from him, but he robbed so many childhoods. And if you're a fan of Michael Jackson, I want to say this. He was still a fantastic performer. He made amazing music. But you can be more than one thing. Like, I podcast, but I also am married and have a job and, you know, friends. And I do more than one thing. And I think that's the one thing people need to realize is that just because he's this fantastic performer and revolutionized music doesn't mean he wasn't twisted. I mean, the fucking pastor on Seventh Heaven was accused of child abuse. Mm -hmm. I think, you know... And Michael went to great lengths to cover it all up. Like, not only did he, I think he paid the boys enough attention so that they always felt they were part of his life. And unless you recognize its abuse, you don't get it. Right. People don't understand what it's like when you're like, I don't even know how to explain this. Like, when you're orbiting around this person. And then eventually what happens is that you eventually either, you either you do or you don't. You have a moment and they talk about it in their movie is when they both look at their sons and they realize what it was like because they both say, I didn't know what it was like to be a child. Like Wade said it perfectly. He's like, I didn't know how to associate feelings with little Wade. Right. Because at some point he stopped being a child and then had this sexual relationship with this adult mm-hmm. from the ages of seven to 14. Yep. And then, you know, everything outside of that, everything he did was dedicated to Michael. All the competitions he did, everything was Mm -hmm. dedicated to him. So his entire existence was for Michael. And technically it still is. Yeah. Granted, he's talking about the abuse, but my experience is that you never get over the person who abused you. You can forgive them. You can try to move on but there's always going to be that morning where you wake up and you look in the mirror and you remember that moment or you remember that time in your life and you either do what these men are doing and standing up and being like I want to make something beautiful out of this ugliness I want to help people because they they didn't get paid to do this they didn't get compensated for the footage they provided Nothing. No. They sat down for three days and had to like recant the darkest periods of their life, graphically like relaying details. And I'm sure there's details that they were like, I can't even put in here. Yeah. There's a like that's that's what's so scary. Like there was so much bad stuff. Like I I can't even imagine if there's anything they left out. I mean, there could be. There's a huge chance there could be. Especially, I feel like, especially like, because I feel like they're also in two different places. Um, I feel like Wade is doing a lot. He's on a lot more healthy of a path now versus James. Oh, so much. He's been on it a lot longer. Yes, a lot longer. Uh, And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're watching the two, you can absolutely see the differences in just like their like physiological state just like their body language their facial expressions their tone of voice everything like james is very much still 
in that state where he's broken. And Wade, Wade, I don't think is not broken. Mm-hmm. I think he's just at the point where it's probably been, he's been in therapy for so long and he's been dealing with it. And I liked the story when he basically came out and told everyone. So for years, Wade, I mean, Wade was the reason, literally they say he's the reason that Jackson got acquitted in 2005 because his testimony of an adult man saying, when I was a kid, I hung out at Neverland and nothing happened. Him and Macaulay Clogan. Mm-hmm. And I, I do want to talk about the celebrities that hung out with him. But we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, Jackson was acquitted. Now, Wade has said, I wish I had stood up and told the truth right. because I don't know how many people I could have helped, how many people he did this to after I said this. But again, they were brainwashed. Wade didn't want to testify. His mom pushed him to testify, Mm -hmm. which is so like, she's like, you have to protect Michael. Yeah. Like, which you would have thought it would have been the other way around because like, like with James, because essentially it wasn't a buy off or anything, but it's like essentially like Michael Jackson bought James's parents house. Right. When he testified back in the day. Yeah. He, she said uh, he bought it before, but they were paying him. But then after he testified, he was like, nope, consider your loan cleared. You don't have to pay me another dime. So, you know, like, right. you would have thought it would have been them pushing for it to be like, oh, like, feel like they owed him something. But I think they still did because James's dad was that way even after because the second time James mm-hmm. didn't testify and James's dad couldn't understand why he wouldn't want to. And then he finally told his mom, like, mm-hmm. he didn't actually say, like, this right. happened. But his mom was like, did something bad happen? And he said, yeah, but I don't want to talk about it. And then. I think she just kind of like her intuition kicked in and she knew exactly what happened. And I think that's probably another thing like James's mom has been dealing with that guilt a lot longer. Right. I don't know. It just it breaks my heart. Think of all the boys that hung out with them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, for fuck's sake, James was like, we had a marriage ceremony. Oh, my God. Yeah, that that I could not fucking that scene triggered so bad. That was so bad. Yep. He's just sitting there and he's like holding the like he still has the ring. He has all like, yeah, he has all the jewelry that Michael bought him in a box. But, you know, like when he he obviously he's he's not out wearing it and all that fucking shit. Right. But it's probably also his little box of shame. Right. Because you can see him when he's taking it out, how bad he's shaking like he can barely hold it. And, you know, he like showed to them and he was just, and they, I'm glad they didn't cut this part out, you know, because he was like, okay, are we done now? Because I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to hold it. I want to put it away. But it was so like vulnerable in that moment mm-hmm. that he was, he showed like we stood up, we exchanged rings, we said we loved each other and we were essentially married. Yeah. He was like 13. Yeah. And they had went you know, to the jewelers. And that's another thing, too, that brings up, like, you know, Michael knew this was not right because he had tell James, like, oh, we're going to say we're looking for, you know, some female I'm seeing. And coincidentally, your hand's the same size as hers. So you're going to try them on so I could try to get the right size for her or whatever. Right. And the thing is, is like at some point they knew that other little boys were in the same position as them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember... I think it was Wade. He had said, you know, like we went all, we a bunch of us went over for a sleep, like a group sleepover. And then Michael went off with this one boy for a while. And he's like, I knew exactly what they were doing because I used to be that boy. Right. And I probably every boy in that room did <laughs> at some point. Yep. I want to talk about the celebrity boys that were there. Mm-hmm. So like Macaulay Clogan 
and like Corey Feldman. Macaulay Culkin, you mean? Sorry, what a <laughs> Clogan. Where the fuck did that come from? Sorry. Are you trying to say like Hulk Hogan? Like yes. Mix those two names? <laughs> Macaulay. Say it. I'm not going to say it right now. Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> um, I just think that like they were too big of names. They were right. too much of a risk. Like mm-hmm. Wade and James, they were known. It made sense why they were with them. James did like an entire like tour two of backup dancing for Michael mm-hmm. and you know so did Wade and they like yeah. performed with him so like it made sense why they would be around him right but I don't think he could have molested Macaulay because like Mm-mm. he would have had like like I know it's different scales of celebrity but it's celebrity against celebrity because it's like with the quote-unquote normal kids or you know less status kids whatever he can use mm-hmm. that excuse of money. But at that point in the 90s, Macaulay didn't need the money. No, he didn't. So if he had done anything and, you know, opened up about it, what would have been their defense? Right. And I think also that there was a sense that, like, he also didn't have a normal childhood because he was mm-hmm. dealing with the same thing Michael went through. Maybe not, like, the, the abuse part, but, like, the feeling lonely and the not having anyone, like... Because I heard an interview with him and he's like, no one at my school knew what I was going through. But Michael did. Right. And one of the things that that was really interesting in that interview he gave to like, I think, E.T. Canada or something like that. He's like, I don't know why I have to defend this friendship. And I was like, the better question. And they said it. The better question is, why isn't Michael defending this friendship? Like, right. Because, right. I mean, you and I are five years apart. And there was times where I was of age and you weren't of age. Mm-hmm. And Tara became my little sister. And it wasn't like any, there was never anything. Not that I have to defend this, but the reason I'm saying this is because it's like, we were five years apart. We would have gone to elementary school together. Like there's a connection. It's not like you're old enough. To be your parent. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like, that's what I don't understand. It's like, I wasn't at the age where I should have been like, okay, well, you know, she's 16 and I'm 35. Like, (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) No, like, I was, like, basically, like, met Tara and became her older sister and ran her around to do Mm. stuff. Like, her parents were like, she can't drive, drive her places. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Okay, that's fine. Uh. You know, it's just, someone should have had them justify and say, like, what is really with your friendship? Yeah. What are you as an adult? What are you getting out of this? Like, exactly. What are you getting out of this? Mm-hmm. And if you can't say something like the fact that they'd be like, they're friends. Well, you're in your 30s. You need to find 30 year olds to hang out with. Right. Exactly. And like the one thing like his family does is they're like, we know our brother. But the whole documentary, they just talk about how lonely Michael was. Right. Where was his family? You know, mooching and running away. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> living off those Jackson 5 royalties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, seriously, like. If if they know him so well, why does it seem like his entire life? I mean, they even said we weren't around when he, those boys were there. Yeah. Then how can you defend him if you weren't there to see it? Right. And the boys were always, he always had mm-hmm. boys around. Yeah. There was always kids there all the time because like, and even when he wasn't close anymore with, you know, James, like I remember it was like James, it was like his 16th birthday or like something later when he was definitely like, you know, right. not nothing really, you know, he went and had his birthday at Neverland. Like they could still go whenever they wanted. Yeah. Because here's the thing. 
I think once you became part of Michael's world, you had to always stay. Like, like people are like, why wouldn't why wouldn't you cut him out? When especially with Wade, it's a lot easier to track because you think he's more open about it. But he's like talking about like when mm-hmm. he and his wife they were either dating or they just got married and they were living in Vegas. And Michael had a show in Vegas, mm-hmm. and they just show up at like or right. they're like Michael's like come over for dinner. So he like goes over and they're hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. And it's people like, why would you go back? Well, it's because Michael had to stay in their life. Because if he went away, right, and didn't pay them attention, at some Mm -hmm. point, they're either going to get jealous and be like, I want that again. Or they're going to be like, wait a second, what really has happened in my life? And both of Mm -hmm. these men had these realizations after Michael died. Well, I mean, no, I think James kind of knew something was wrong because like the way he acted... Yeah, I mean, because I'm pretty sure, like, he had said when he was in that band, that's when he was, like, they knew, they both knew something was wrong. Because, like, I know James had, like, substance abuse and alcohol abuse and stuff like that. But they didn't know what it was. Because they still thought their relationship with Michael was just that, was a relationship. They didn't realize what it was. Right. And if you don't know what it is, it can still eat at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It took, wait, what, one or two? two mental breakdowns to actually admit it to his therapist after he had already been going for x amount of time like yeah a long time and same Mm -hmm. with james like james was at the point where like his wife it was like that was a weird thing like his wife i was like "Mm, okay she uh you naive as fuck yeah she i mean i'm just and i'm like okay because we're from a small town so i feel like i can say this Mm -hmm. i'd understand if it was a chick from a small town but she was from chicago so i'm like seriously right and seriously, <laughs> it, it was like it was weird. Like she's like, I just thought he was the type of person who, you know, stayed in bed on the weekends. And then it was like, OK, like we eventually have to go to Trader Joe's and get chips. Like, let's go. Like and I'm like, that's not normal. No, at some point you should be like, um, is everything OK? Right. Yeah. Like I could see like especially like when you don't have kids or responsibilities or whatever like a day here and there where you're just like fuck it i'm just gonna be lazy all fucking day i'm gonna binge watch netflix and be in bed which in the 90s it's like whatever let's watch cable and be in bed <laughs> you know but it's like literally all weekend multiple days where it's like you had to convince them to even go to the store like that should be a little bit of a okay some something's going on here it's not like you got to be like oh my god go to like extreme panic but you should be like okay something's going on with them let's see what's wrong right well like and you have to think about it like this like they said he would like come home from work on friday and then just get into bed and get out of bed on monday to go to work yeah yeah and that even continued when they had their child right she was about to like get a divorce and you know she's like i don't know what we're doing and i Mm -hmm. think he went to a therapist and then he finally just like said this is what happened to me and their wife's reactions were so separate Oh, yeah. His wife. I'm sorry. His wife fucking weirded me out. I just like she was she was more compassionate. No, I just feel like she was just like, I don't know if it because it happened so long ago, but it's just like she was just so like she was like too pleasant. She was a she was a little matter of fact. Yeah, Yeah. she was just like I was working on my laptop and he was sitting on the edge of the bed and it just like, ew, it was like it freaked me out because it's like my desk and then like the bed's like right there. So I'm like, oh, my God, like right like you know i don't know like i just feel like i mean i know people obviously everybody shows their emotions differently and some are more forthcoming and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but again 
it's like it's the opposite with the moms it was one way and now with the wives it's the other way you could see the emotion and everything and the hurt with Wade's wife but with James's wife she was just kind of like yep and I it might also be that it happened a while ago yeah but I think also like I didn't like Wade's wife's reaction like the fact that her husband told her like this is what happened to me and her first reaction is is that how you like essentially like accusing him of having those feelings towards her son yeah I didn't agree with that either I didn't like that I was like okay and I maybe because that's a trigger as someone like I don't have those thoughts but I've been sexually abused like I don't think like oh I should go a sexually assault someone so I'm like wait a second honey like you need to fucking back off your high horse for a sec because like he needs you to not be angry and aggressive. He needs you to be the understanding wife that's like, oh, my God. And I get like I get the betrayal, the feeling of the lied to because you do like you lie as a victim. Mm-hmm. You tell people like that didn't happen or they don't know what they're talking about because you there's an ashamed part of it. I think um, I was listening to Dak Shepard when he was talking about his abuse and he was like, I was embarrassed because I was a part of it. And that's how you feel. Like, you feel like I know that I felt like it was my fault. It puts that shame on you that even though you you know reasonably it's not your fault. Right. You still, there's like a reflex that's like, oh, but it is my fault. Or, oh, I could have, I could have done something kind of thing. Right. And it's like, or you feel like I carried around guilt for a long time because this was a person in my family. And I felt like... I had betrayed them in a way because of who I was apparently was a trigger for them to do something to me. Mm -hmm. You thought it was your fault for Mm -hmm. what happened. Right. Because and I was I was a kid like I was Wade's age. Like Mm -hmm. I understand that concept of it and not understanding it. Now, I've been in therapy my whole life because I've just always have been like and I never talked about it, but I knew it was wrong. Mm-hmm. I knew that person wasn't wrong. And I also was one of those people who were very lucky for a very long time while growing up. I suppressed it enough that I didn't remember it mm-hmm. because it happened to me at such a young age. Right. And when I did remember it, I had a dream. And the dream wasn't even like about that situation. I just remember waking up from that dream and feeling awkward and then going to therapy and talking to my therapist. And my therapist just straight up asked me if anyone had ever sexually abused me. Like, out of the blue. Like, I thought I was talking. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the dream now. I think I was. Ta- it was, like, some crazy-ass thing. And he's just like, I just want to ask you, like, did this ever happen to you? And I, and I broke down. And I told him, yeah. And then he basically had to say, like, do you want me to tell your parents or do you want to tell your parents? And I was like, I want to tell my parents. And I remember the day I told my parents I was sitting at our kitchen table and I was staring out the window and my dad had just like he just finished seeing a patient and he was sitting down like to late. My mom couldn't understand why I was being so like like I wasn't eating and which is unusual for me. (laughs) Like I like my mom was a great like you can ask Sarah. My mom was a fantastic Mm -hmm. cook. Amazing. Right. So I'm like sitting there and I'm not eating and she's like what's wrong and I was like I have to tell you something and I don't know how you're gonna how you're gonna take this and then I told them my story and my dad went through about 17 emotions all at once I remember he hit the table so hard like it like it almost broke it and then he started crying and then he started like 
crazy laughing. And then my mom is just like, you know, my mom, my, my, mm-hmm. Taryn and my mom, she was just very like stoic. And so she's just sitting there and I could tell she was trying everything not to just break down because my dad was doing plenty <laughs> for her. <laughs> I mean, I can laugh about it now because it's it's been like, you know. Yeah. It's been a long time since I was 17 when I told my parents and I'm 30. I'll be 33. Yeah. When you hear this, I'll be 33. Yeah. And um, my I think I just remember my mom just looked at me and said, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't want to do anything. I just want you to know. I mean, they they left it up to me to press charges, to make a decision. And I just I decided that there was nothing that I think was going to happen. And I confronted this person much later in my life. I told them, you did this to me. You're lucky that I didn't report you. And I know like there's part of me that regrets that I never filed charges. But at the same time, like at that point. Well, I was still a minor, so I think it still was an effect. I don't know. But at that point in time in my life, like, I didn't want to go down that road because I was only comfortable telling my parents. Right. And the only reason I told my older brother is because this person was a member of our, or isn't a member of my family anymore, like, that I count, I should say. Mm-hmm. But he had a daughter. Right. And I was like, you need to know that this person did this to me. And my brother didn't believe me. He looked at me and said, you're a liar. He didn't do that to you. He would never do that to you. How he loves you. How could he do that to you? And I was like, yeah, he did it to me because he loves me. His love for me isn't, it isn't what you, the way he loves you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might have been, I don't know, <laughs> but my brother never said that. But it wasn't until my brother had like his second round of kids that he was like, I think he was like, oh, wait, I think I should listen to you. I don't know. I don't normally talk about this stuff and so but I feel like if I'm gonna harp on someone and talk about their feelings I should be honest with mine. Yeah I mean I I don't think you really have to justify like talking about that stuff and I think anybody who's dealt with abuse of any kind whether they are open about it or they're still keeping it to themselves I feel like they can resonate though with like hearing part of your experience and I don't think anyone's really judging us and in the facts of us discussing this because I'm sure there's been plenty of other shows like everybody has talked about this documentary in some shape or form whether they're a podcaster or not right it's a huge this thing is huge and that's why I like that Oprah's message Mm -hmm. like Oprah knew going into this and supporting this message because here's the thing she's not going in and saying like I think Michael Jackson is this crazy monster Mm -hmm. person but I'm coming in and saying these men have this experience and I believe them. Mm-hmm. I liked her special on it because it, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously the other documentary like focuses on them, but it's not focusing on the trauma. It's focusing on their mental being and how they are doing, whether that was then, now, whatever. And it's it's digging more into it. And she's focusing on, right. she's focusing on the, uh, the grooming aspect because... You know, we can play the blame game all day long, but I feel like there probably is a good amount of people out there who don't. They don't know the signs. No, they don't know. So I feel like she took this as a platform, you know, to help bring it to light a little bit for people, which I think is great. Right. I think it highlights the fact that not all sexual abuse is violent. It highlights the fact that Mm -hmm. a groomer is going to isolate that child from you, that the child is going to resent you and want you to get away because you threaten them mm-hmm. because it threatens their abuser. And I think like if you have children, it's important to watch this documentary. Yes. 
even if you don't, I feel like right in general, it's just it's an important thing that whether it's molestation, rape, whatever, mm-hmm. it's something I feel like too many people get away with and too many people like I don't want to say people are ignorant about it, but it's like they like you said, they think it's this one way. They think it's this traumatic thing. But the scary thing is right. Like, a good percent of it is not. And it's it's, you know, presented to the victim as a different way. So right. that's how it stays hidden. Right. And a lot of times, like after I said the parent tears that I think everyone I really started thinking about it. Everyone should watch this documentary because you need to know the triggers mm-hmm. or the signs of this so that you can be triggered if you see it in public. Because there are parents who molest their children. Right. There are parents who know this is happening and they yeah. look the other way. I mean, when Latoya was talking about her dad and her older sister, like, yeah. Her mom knew. Her mom would tell her, like, no, not tonight, Joe. Don't go tonight. And sometimes he'd listen and sometimes he wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And I just, like, it breaks my heart because that family had so much bad things happen. Yeah. And it started because, like, I don't know where he learned it. Because psychologists believe we learn our behavior. Yes, there's some, like, innate part of us that has, like, the nature versus nurture. But... A lot of those type of things are learned from somewhere. When we talked about Ted Bundy, we talked about the fact the reason why he had to kill and rape was because he started watching violent porn that basically Mm -hmm. was depicting that. He suddenly couldn't just use the images on the screen anymore. He had to fulfill it in Mm -hmm. real life. And I think that's like the thing is that we have to become conscious of those around us. And here's the thing. I'm that person who probably would accuse people way more, mainly because I've been a victim. Right. And when I'm at the grocery store and places like that and I see like, I don't know, you just like, you see someone and they're too chummy with the kid. Mm-hmm. Like when we were talking about that one family with the Monhausen syndrome, the, um, the Schofields, and I talked about the stepdad and how he always has his hands on that boy. Mm-hmm. Like my trigger was, there's something going on there. Someone needs to pay attention to that because there's something inappropriate happening. Yeah. Abusers come in all shapes and sizes and different levels of severity. There are the people who just touch inappropriately. And I say just in like the worst way you could ever say just. Yeah. Like we're not like putting that off or brushing that off, but it's, yeah, it does vary from groping, touching, whatever, to full sexual acts. So, you know, and, it, and then, like, of course, like, hitting and emotional abuse and all of that. So it, there's a whole spectrum of everything. I mean, I, I brought up Stephen Collins earlier, the, the guy who played the dad on Seventh Heaven. Like, mm-hmm. his was that he exposed himself to a little girl. Mm-hmm. And then she he had him, and this was in the 70s. Then he had her touch him, but then it like stopped. And then like he was like, no, this isn't appropriate and stopped. And then like 10 years later, he exposed himself to another girl. And then like essentially every 10 years, there was some sort of weird trigger that this was happening. And then he did it. I mean, he says that he only ever touched or had one inappropriate touching, but he knew his actions were not okay. And he talked about it. Like, he's like, I don't feel like I'm a pedophile, but I know that I done something wrong and that I was a sexual predator. Mm-hmm. I mean, he said that his trigger was that when he was the ages of the girls that he abused, that someone abused him. Mm-hmm. So again, like 
if something happens enough, it flips in your head that this is how behavior happens. And I mean, there's a good chance that Michael was molested. Yeah, I I definitely feel like he probably was. You know, obviously we're not like justifying being like whatever because there's there's obviously that huge chance that's like even if that didn't happen to him, he could have still been a terrible person. Right. Right. True. I feel like with all the other abuse and then the abuse towards his sisters and stuff like there's there's a good chance that something happened to him and I was reading something some article that was like you know and that could even be a reason why he had the uh resentment with his brothers because he just didn't know how to handle it because maybe it was all happening at the same time etc etc sorry she was shaking um my dogs Mm -hmm. have annoying little jingly (laughs) name tags so if you ever hear that I do pretty good on cutting it out most time but if you ever hear it it's my dogs because they insist on being around me when I'm recording (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no way. they loves you yeah if thomas wasn't home chloe would want to be in here mm-hmm. she's i worked from home today and she was like right up my butt the whole day like i i went to the bathroom she's like i'm coming mm. with you i'm like okay <laughs> we weren't just near each other two right? seconds ago uh, damn dogs but yeah yeah i just feel like this whole situation like it's just it's it's just so fucking terrible you know for everybody and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of a good thing that it was someone of his status because that kind of illustrates that, like you said, the abuser can be anybody, any shape, size, status, whatever. Like, it could be anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Michael Jackson people kind of knew because he was accused of it. But, like, right. And then all of a sudden, like, you hear someone else, like, is randomly being accused of something and you're like, I would have never guessed. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's sadly that kind of makes them one of the like perfect perpetrators for whatever it is they're being accused of Mm -hmm. because they can camouflage from, you know, to be innocent. It's that hidden in plain sight type thing. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think this whole situation was just seriously hidden in plain sight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just it's scary, but it's one of those things that we have to face. Like, it's a real life thing. You know, so many people. I think the statistics was like one in six boys go through this. So, you know, like, it's way more common than we would hope it would be. Right. I think that, like, at the end when they were talking about it at an Oprah's thing and she had all of the people in the audience mm-hmm. were sexual abuse survivors. And it was just insane how many men were there. And... yeah. I feel like there was more men than women in that audience. And here's the thing is that women get sexually assaulted and most likely we eventually tell. Mm-hmm. Men are more likely to not ever say a thing. Right. Because we've instilled, and this is something like goes back to my child development days. We've instilled in men that emotions are weakness. And if you're a man and you can hear my voice, your emotions are not your weakness, they're your strength. If you need to cry, cry. If you need to be angry, be angry. Don't hurt someone, but be be angry. If you need to feel sad, feel sad. This whole thing that like men don't cry is bullshit. The fact that your first reaction is to cry and then someone look at you and say, don't do that. Be a man. Don't cry. I mean, that's a trigger for me. Like I came from like my maternal grandmother. I flipped like you know, ass over head one time coming down a sled hill and she told me not to cry. And then if I cried, she'd Mm -hmm. spank my ass and to give me a reason. And I'm like, I just literally could have broke my neck. 
and I was four and I'm like and I could have been hurt and your reaction is to tell me not to cry because it bothers you like no my kids will probably grow up and people will call them hippies but I'm fine with that (laughs) I mean I'm gonna just say like I feel like Tara is a very good mom like she takes stock in her kid and makes sure that you know it's not just like the food and clothes that she needs to take care of but she takes care of her daughter's like emotional needs oh thank you (laughs) it's true (laughs) so that's my little thing yes so i think that's really all we had Mm -hmm. looks like we're giving you guys a heavy episode a month shit sorry guys i know it was one we really wanted to talk about we feel like the documentaries I don't, I guess, documentary and then special. I don't really know what to call the Oprah yeah, thing. special. Yeah, special. Really had important messages in them. Mm-hmm. We know our platform's, you know, not huge or anything, but it just, it gets it out there, you know, it's just putting it out there, our way to contribute, essentially. Right. And my last little tidbit is if you know a survivor or you are a survivor, know that we stand with you mm-hmm. and that we'll always believe the victim. Will always believe the person mm-hmm. who has been abused. We're a safe place. 100%. Yep. I mean, my first initial reaction, well, if you come, if you feel like you need to come tell someone and you tell me, I'm going to tell you to get help mm-hmm. because I, I'm not trained <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. help you properly. But before I just keep ranting, we're going to end. <laughs> yes. So yeah, we hope you guys have a good week. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the documentary, if you've watched it, feel free to comment on our episode posts that we do because, like, those are also – we'd like to kind of turn those into, like, discussion posts when we do our little, hey, go check out today's episode. Mm-hmm. Kind of like to make those discussion posts when we can. So if you have any input, that'd be great. Or I know you right. guys love when we do episodes on documentaries and stuff. That's why we decided to make this, like, a not a bonus episode, like a legit episode. You can drop any kind of recommendations for that. If you want some a little more fun, please do. (laughs) So, yeah, we will go ahead and, I guess, sign off for today and just keep an eye out on our social media since we'll be together in the next, like, couple weeks and we'll have some fun stuff for you guys. Yeah. I'm excited. And it's Jessica's birthday, so go have a drink. It's my birthday. (laughs) Yes, go have a drink. And I'm not going to say on me, but for me because there's too many of me, of you to buy y'all drinks (laughs) yes and make sure to tell her happy birthday because i'm obnoxious and there will be a birthday post so uh yeah share some birthday love with her uh so yeah you have a great day bye guys bye